ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. Uh, Hamish is absent once more with uh, some uh, work, I believe, while well, I've got an ear infection, but the show must go on. So we are here recording, as always, on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening, as it were. Uh, joining me, 40, as always, is Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, being better, mate, but we're here for the show, right? And Ham. Yep. Hey, boys. All right, no BS. Let's get straight into it. Um, the Eels getting their third win of the season uh, against the Cronulla Sharks on Saturday night. Uh, now one of only two undefeated teams in the Premiership. So Eels 28 defeating the Cronulla Sharks 4 that was at 7.35 p.m. at Bankwest Stadium on Saturday night. Uh, try scorers for the Eels was a Ferguson double. Uh, Mike Acevo, Reagan Campbell, Gillard, and Ray Stone. A couple of the big boys getting over a couple of quality tries there. Uh, Gufferson was three from five for conversions and added a penalty goal to his tally as well. For the Sharks, uh, Paul Sionikiotoa was their only try scorer before he got uh, sidelined with what we think is a PCL injury. Is that right, boys? Um, yeah, I think they said it was reported, not recorded, sorry, as a, a PCL ligament, not an ACL, which means uh, a much shorter recovery and he'll be back for the 2021 season for sure. So, I mean, it was a very cursed round three across the entire NRL and our game was no exception with, uh, I think, uh, there was five HIAs, four of which were failed across the two teams, along with uh, Sione's injury. So absolute carnage across the entire competition. What do we think of this one, boys? Because it was an odd one. Um, the Sharks came out guns blazing and had us uh, pinned on our goal line for a number of sets on the weight of possession. Um, we struck back with a really nice try to Blake Ferguson via Murata near Corey. Uh, I hate saying it because everyone says it, the Gidley-esque flick, but a great run and flick pass down the right side. And then Mitch Moses gets himself knocked out. That was just a terrible tackle effort from Mitch. Um, and the Eels struggle for about 40 minutes before uh, wearing down the exhausted Sharks. What, what do you rate this game as? Um, I thought we went right away from what we did against Melbourne. Um, even it was just all throughout the game. We wanted to play two sideways. Um, it wasn't until late later on in the game that you know we looked at our middle rotation between Reg, Paulo, Brownie. Um, I suppose you could say Papali'i, uh, Stone, um, missing a few there in the middle that we usually do. Oh, oh, Kafusi, of course. We looked at the size of them, and then you know we started. Hitting, hitting up in behind the ruck, and that's when we made the meters. That's when we scored the tries. I thought before that we were just we we're playing too pretty. Um, I thought Reedy overplayed his hand just a little bit. Um, I think also Nathan Brown did. I'm a huge fan of uh, Brownie, but I think he was stuck in that ball playing lock uh, mindset where we just need him to tuck the ball under the and arm. It's funny because in the post match presser, Brad came out and said that he told his boys. That this is a game where he's identified that we can beat Cronulla through the middle, and he wants two thousand running meters. And they yeah. got they eventually they smashed past that uh, once they you know finally realigned themselves to the game plan post half time again. But yeah, they like you said, Han, just a little bit guilty of too much ball playing through from the big boys, too much sideways action, and yeah, and they sort of reaped what they sowed there uh, with Cronulla, a very plucky Cronulla, I will say, um, staying right in the contest until the 69th minute. Yeah, I think um, we had the right idea. With Mar- using Murata the way we did uh, early on, uh, before kind of Tracy went to fullback, we were just having Murata hit that short ball um, on the inside shoulder mm-hmm. of kind of Tracy there, which I think was very smart to do. Um, but just the rest of that game was just really poor. I thought, um, despite us winning by twenty four points, I, you don't really really say that. It's weird to say, but um, yeah, I just think that uh, if we had hit up the ruck in behind the ruck earlier on and for the entire game. Um, I think we could have won that game by forty more, forty or more points, and it, it wouldn't. It did. We didn't have to pass around them. The 
the Sharks obviously did lose their um, entire bench come the second half. Yeah, so for the Sharks, obviously we talked about the Katara injury, but both their starting back rowers and Wade Graham and Britton Nakora and eventually their fullback just before halftime, he ended up copying uh, – when he tried to tackle Gufferson, right, when he was um, – Gufford made a break and, and Gufford beat him. He got clipped in the head by Gufford going past and that meant Will Kennedy failed a HIA during the halftime break. So they were four players out for Canola and obviously Parramatta were missing Mitchell Moses from the 23rd minute, if I recall correctly, for that uh, self-inflicted HIA. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it was like defensively, um, like we put hits on right, but it's we're not rushing as much unless they're on their goal line. So when you look at the beginning of the game, like their first set Cronulla they had, they marched us down the field. You know they they like made, they they made six, top, 60 minutes off their kickoff set. Yeah, they came out real fired yeah, up. Exactly, and like we're a team. And Brad Arthur has mentioned that we need to find a way to wrestle back momentum because if you look at it, our first four five sets, because like um, our first four five sets, we will get in the ball in our ten meter line, and you know sharks are very um, aggressive in defense. Like they rush up, and they have got some big boys in the middle. So. You know, when you've got the likes of uh, Ferguson, he's running up against, you know, Rudolph, Hamlin Ueli, and Wood. So, like, he's going up against, you know, 350, 400 kilos in players. I don't know, maybe. I'm just throwing figures at you. But, like, so, like, and we don't have our forward. Like, our wingers have to start off our set. If not, we're going to be kicking in our own 30. And then in the game, like, the first nine sets each we had or eight sets each, we didn't – no one dropped the ball. So, you know, we were working hard for our sets. And, like, we've got to find a way. Like, I don't know if we're not putting much pressure on the kickers, you know, like – there's only one kicker in the Sharks team and it was Townsend, so we should have just, like, get someone out of the, out of the marker and just put pressure because, you know, this, you can't... You've got to find a way to wrestle back and change the field possession because we were, a, lot of the ball was in our, a lot of the ball was in our territory that game in the first 20 minutes. So that's, other that's than that... Um, I, think, I think the kick pressure point is highly valid and it's been one of the big criticisms of the Eels across the first three rounds is that uh, they are defensively being fairly sound, but on the last tackle, they could definitely afford to be putting more pressure on the opposition kickers. Yeah, and other than that, um, like we did it right, um, spreading the ball a bit. Like Murata, just you know, like he's just he's he's when he gets the ball, it's it's like Olam. He just wants to run over you. Well, is Murata's given Brad some interesting food for thought for when we are eventually full strength in regards to the center position? Because I, I assume that he will move out of the center position. They bring Wanga back, mm. um, even though he's doing quite a good job there. But you'd have to think that Brad's looked at this you know handful of games now and saying, all right, even if he goes back to playing lock forward or prop for us in, in whatever capacity off the bench. We need to start scripting some plays for him to be attacking down the edge, the same way we do with Junior Paula. And, and like, maybe, like, cause as you said, he comes on and he plays in the middle. Maybe we can put him, you know, he can come on for lane, you know? Like, he can take that position, like, I'm more comfortable now. Just, I know it's a small sample size, but I'm more comfortable with him on the edges. Before, you know, when he was in the back row, starting back row, I was a bit worried he's him defensively because he can get, he's not laterally quick, but... I don't know. He's he's obviously worked hard this preseason. He looks, you know, he looks very much fit. quicker, yeah, but he fit. still has the size. And I don't know. Like he's like Papali'i a bit. You know, Papali'i came to the club, wanted to be in the edges, and obviously that didn't go to plan. But like you know, like, I, I see him literally. He can play. He can play lock. He can play back row, and he can play prop. And you know, in a pinch, he can go in the center. So he's very very versatile for us. On the flip side. Is anyone here concerned that maybe the Sharks exposed Murata just a little bit at center with the speed of Will Kennedy? Oh, 100%. I thought that – I think both teams were targeting that side of the field but in attack that, you know, we were trying to use Murata size up against Connor Tracy and trying to create some doubt there with the centre of the winger. Um, and the Sharks obviously uh, think he – yeah, Kennedy burned um, Murata on the outside there at one point, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was just mid an outright, first half? Yeah, that's right, yes. 
that was the play Guffo used the high IQ footy and essentially negated two people. He pinned them both in the yeah, he did, sideline. He did a great job organising his, his cover defence as well as using the sideline mm. as the extra defender, Bertie. That's a good call. Mm. So, yeah, I think once Wang is back, I'm I'm all for Wang back in the centre. I just think that Murata um, offers more to us as a middle rotation player um, coming off the bench there and providing that impact rather than at centre. Don't get me wrong. I think he's doing, very, he's doing his job at centre. I just think once teams have more video and I'll just pepper that slide with ball and um, I don't think we want that. I think we want Wunger out there. They still will um, pass the ball that side, but I think that whilst Wunger does have his um, defensive misreads, uh, him being burned on the outside, we just we just won't see that. It'll be more through passing, which is just, you know, it's, a mis- it's just a misread rather than um, lack of speed. Yeah. And and the funny thing about Murata is that for the last eighteen months or so, uh, maybe even stretching two years for the the really dedicated fans, Parramatta fans have been telling the rest of the NRL how good this guy's going to be and how good he is. And you know, by and large, no one really paid attention. But now two games out in the centres, and everyone in the media is like, "Oh my god, this guy is so good!" So yeah. it is good seeing Murata getting some due recognition. But it's just funny the process of how he got there. No one gives a uh, you know half a rat's ass about whether he was in the middle or whatnot. But once he's in the centres, this guy can ball. Well, if you've been listening to uh, the Para podcast for a few years, you would have heard it from Birdie championing uh, Murata from the one start. Of, one of the OGs when it comes to Murata hype. Mate, I only speak facts. I don't talk <laughs> shit. <laughs> and when I do talk <laughs> shit, it, it usually sticks. So oh, I, I'm just saying, like, goodness. he's special. Like, he's not – and, like, everyone talked about, like, oh, Nakora. Like, he's sort of like the same position. Mate, this guy is 100 times better. And you can just see the defense. Like, he – look, the last game he rocked Olam and, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, – I'm the biggest fan, but I don't think he's a center at this stage unless he loses a bit of you know a little bit of weight. But you gotta have him. And I, my biggest fear now is that some club's gonna see him and go, let's offer him starter money or let's offer him a position and a starter. And you know, with our team one this 13 locked in, barring injury, it's gonna be hard. So like I'm sort of like hot, proud of him, but I want to keep the hype on the down low. So that's, well that's the thing, you know, he's played just over touch over fifty games now. Yeah. So he's, you know, coming to that time where forwards really um, and, and get And 50 is the magic number that's still off the references for an NRL player, isn't it? About yeah. players starting to really mature and come to their own. Well, uh, 58 games and how old? He's 25, I think. He's a late, he's a late bloomer in terms of uh, his first grade career, but I've, you know, I don't got a problem with that. No, like, but Murata is a testament to the development process. He oh, came, sure. He came and- to us as a as a, well, it's now a flag, but then Holden Cup graduate at the Warriors as a mm. tweener centre-back rower that, you know, was a raw prospect and needed a bit, you know, a bit of spit and shine to get into the NRL. And he did exactly that. He tucked up his sleeves and, or right up his sleeves and, and tucked in his socks. I might even know what I'm saying. Uh, the the medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just want to go back but, to you know, um, what you said, Birdie, on uh, Britain, Nakora, and I want to extend that to um, now uh, Parramatta player Bryce Cartwright. Uh, Britain and Bryce, when they hit the NRL, they exploded onto the scene. They showed everything that they had. Whereas someone like Murata, he's had to work hard. He's had to go through uh, Reggie's to learn how to play against men, learn how to use his size properly and everything. And just each year he's added a little bit to his game. I said I said about Reedy. I think that people really underestimate. People, fans, media, players, player managers, all underestimate the importance of going th- through all of those development steps. You know, you don't skip one just because you're good. Like you, the best thing. I think that I think hopefully Parramatta and Brad Arthur have learned that you you need to give these 
kids time in reserve grade, teach them, and then that way in when they have played 50 games, when they're, you know, they'll be just increasingly getting better and better and better rather than exploding onto the scene, showing everything, and then just fizzling out. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have, you know, Murata who didn't get the plaudits from um, people when he was coming through. He didn't, you know, didn't debut until he was 21, but I'd much rather him in our team and have him for 10 to 12 years consistently getting better than some flashy player who, you know, might have a se- even one or even two good seasons. That's true. No, let, me, let me summarize that. You're trying to say uh, Joseph Sawali is going to be a bust. Well, that, that, that was the sort of where it's all leading to is that the, the opposite is very much in play at the Roosters now. And it's yeah. going to be interesting to see because we've spoken about in the past. You know, the Roosters have had several boy prodigies work out, Boyd Cordner and Latrell Mitchell, but they've also had some guys on the other side that have burnt out and never really mounted to anything that they've paid, you know, yeah. very good money for and, and you know, never amounted to anything as an NRL prospect at the club. So, so and the thing is, I want those players, like I don't like the Roosters, but I want the individual player to succeed. Cause yeah, you, want, know, you, you never know. want to see a young kid that's pursuing his dream just, you know, flame out and, and amount to nothing as a player. Yeah, I just think people, it just it takes time and I think that people need to understand that. And um, I think it is disappointing that Joseph Suwali has been given this um, exemption to play NRL so early. I don't think he will play that early, but he just, you know, give players 12 months in reserve grade. Let them understand how they have to use their body to play first grade. Mm-hmm. You don't just skip reserve grade. Like, even if you're killing it for, for that 12 months, that's fantastic because then that means when you've moved to first grade, you'll be a lot better player than if you only played two or three games in reserve grade and gone, all right, you're good, here's first grade. But like you, you alluded to him, this is a, a massive issue that stretches beyond the NRL to player managers, to families, to the players themselves, and it's hard to convince these kids that they should or they will be better served by having a stint in reserve grade. So I, I don't know how you fix this thing, but it definitely – you can see with the Eels now, they're definitely putting a real focus on getting guys into the New South Wales Cup. Um, I think Dylan Brown's like really the exception in recent years, but you look at the team at the moment and there are a lot of guys that maybe could have been you know potential NRL prospects for 2021, like Will Penasini, but uh, they're doing their dues in Reggie's. Yeah, and I think it's clubs as well, look. Um, recently, we've had uh, Brendan Piacora, who's been chased by not only Par- or Parramatta, but the Bulldogs, Gold Coast Titans. Um, Bulldogs, and a- Storm, I think we linked at one point. Uh, and has uh, allegedly re-signed with the Broncos on $400,000 a year. I'm so- He's, well, you know. And what, what, Ed, when you've got someone on $400,000 a year, you're almost obligated to play them in first grade. Yeah, right? and it's dis- like that young fella now has got all the weight on the world on his shoulders. And he hasn't played a game of first grade. Yeah. I'm not sure how much reserve grade he's playing. Yeah. Like, right. like, do you think um, with what they're doing right now with the under with the Harold Mats, the SG ball, and the and the jersey flag increasing the age an extra year? Do you think like going forward um, that should be a permanent fixture? Because like I think um, I think it's viewed as a permanent fixture now. Is it? Oh, well, that's even better because like the, the jump between 16 and 18, like it's sort of big. But from 18 to tw- like, what's jersey flag? 23, 21, 21, 21, 21. Yeah, like that's. You know, some people like you look at some eighteen-year-olds are still not a, don't have a man's body yet. But then you look at some seventeen-year-olds who have like a fully developed body. And, the the twenty-first you know, year of eligibility is also really nice because there's been quite a few yeah. players in recent times that uh, would have very much been able to use that extra year of eligibility and flag to um, develop before hitting reserve grade or NRL. Uh, and it keeps a lot of guys that might have you know not quite been there at the end of their flag career as an under twenties player. Uh, mm into a chance to, you know, full, fully realise themselves uh, physically 
and also just, you know, mature as a person on and off the field and have a better shot at being an NRL player. So I do like that change, Bertie. All right, we, we have gotten very much off the yeah. track here. <laughs> yeah. um, right. We've been critical of the Eels against the Sharks, and understandably so. What positives were there before we move on, boys? Because I look at the bench, I see Oregon Kafusi and I see Ray Stone putting out some phenomenal numbers. Um, I think Will Smith once again showed how valuable he is to the team as a super utility, having played uh, hooker, lock, and now um, halfback across the first three games. What were the positives if you had to sum it up in, uh, let's say, a minute or less each? Okay. Do you mind if I go first? Yeah, you go. Thank you. Um, So despite me having criticisms of uh, us playing two sideways, I think that I'm not sure who it was identified that, whether it was the players themselves or the calls came down from uh, the coaching box. But we did end up hitting the middle, hitting the ruck, and that's when we tied out the Sharks and that's when we um, carved them up. So I think that was good to see us recognize that, change the way we were playing, which is very hard to do. So, um, yeah, that's a positive that we were able to – it was the same thing happened in round one. We were just playing too sideways, too many drop balls. Um, once we played to our strengths, mm-hmm. uh, they weren't able to stop us. Good stuff, Bertie. Your hand pretty much hit now on the head. Like, usually in past, we like we see like something in-game, and as fans, we're like, oh, why don't we target that that person? He's injured or – and, like, we're sort of, like, too stuck in our game plan, and it was good to see them, like, um, react. To like, they obviously knew they had no bench, so they knew just keep it, keep the ball in play, run up the middle. So it's actually good that um, high IQ forty. That's what we want, you know. We don't want dumb players out there who just follow the game plan to the T, like to everything. But it was good to see that. So it's going to be the same thing, you know, like that dreaded Cowboys game. You know, Thurston was out on his feet; he was injured. We didn't target him at all. So like, mm-hmm. I just feels a like, uh, high IQ footy. Good stuff, boys. All right, like I said before, the uh, 24-point victory in that 28-4 result keeps Eels on top of the ladder just behind the Panthers, who have better for and against. Uh, and it means that there's only two undefeated teams, as crazy as it is, this early in the season. Um, and like last year, it's the Eels and the Panthers. I think we were the last two in 2020, right? No. Yes, yes. until we beat them. Yes, that's right. We, we versed them and, and had that 16-10 victory. So uh, a bit of history repeating itself to some extent, and we hope that the Eels can continue to build to be bigger and better than last year. All right, so we got more results to get through quickly. Um, it was a very mixed bag in the district reps, the junior reps across the weekend. Uh, Ham and I were out there at New Era Park to see a win and two losses. Uh, for the Harold Matthews, they were the sole victorious team uh, for the Eels, 28-16 uh, to 16 victors over the Sydney Roosters. A Saxon Pryke double alongside tries of Charlie Geimer, Orfag Mino and Blaise Talangi, along with Ethan Sanders kicking three from three before he was relieved. Uh, with Suliasu Aho taking two conversion attempts and getting one is um, how the Eels got to their 28 points. Um, this was a good game, Ham. Uh, Roosters are a pretty reasonable team in this grade. Keeps the uh, Harold Matthews right in the mix for that top two finish that we've been speaking about. Uh, what were your big takeaways from this one? Uh, just the forward pack. I think that um, they have this sick fascination with hurting their opponents just through brute force. There's, there's some um, very strong defense. There's been a consistent theme in this grade for the Harold Matthews. It just seems that you know, at the start of the set, one of the big forwards put on a hit, and then he's, one of his mates will go, well, he's put on a big hit. I can I can outdo that. So he puts <laughs> on a hit, and then they go, they just go back and forth. At one point there, um, they smashed a Roosters prop off the kickoff, and uh, oh my he was a bit run shy after, and he was eventually taken off for a few minutes. And to- their, their fullback as well. He he very much got uh, trepidatious taking big kick returns. Um, so. Just uh, just quickly, we've got a few players that we speak about a lot with Harold Matthews. You talk about your Miles Martins, uh, Ethan Sanders and whatnot. Who's a bit of an underrated star for you across the uh, first nine weeks, mate? Um, 
he scored a double this week, Saxon Pryke. Mm, um, I think he's been the workhorse of the forward pack, you know, uh, whether they need him out on the edge, hitting, um, hitting unders and overs lines or in the middle, just smashing blokes with him without the ball. I think Saxon's played nearly every minute of every game so far this season. He's just been there when they need him and uh, whether it be a tough run, a uh, try-scoring run or just a big hit or a solid tackle, he's just he's done it all. That's it. All right, moving on to the SG ball now. And unfortunately, the Eels fell uh, to the Roosters in this grade, 22 to 36. Uh, for the Eels, the Freeman, Freeman Forsyth double, uh, Josh Chappell and Kamoi Fikatoa tries were how they got on the board with Chappell 0 from 1 on the kicking tee. Before he was um, replaced by Keelan Bray, free from free. So Josh obviously picking up some sort of uh, niggle in the leg because he's by like always been the first choice kicker for the Eels. This one was a frustrating one because the Eels were really exploited down the right edge and the Roosters were very aware that they could make breaks down that edge and they they pretty much just attacked exclusively to that side. Yeah, um, just their 6 and 12. I know they both played on the left, but um, the 6 and 12 for the Roosters, uh, Sandon Smith, Zach Montgomery, they... Um, yeah, Sandon Sand made it his job to just like back up down the through yeah. the middle and just capitalise on those breaks. But yeah, they made the break down the right then that shift left and... Give it to those two um, yeah. classy players, and they just broke us apart. Uh, for the Eels, they actually managed to stay in sixth place at the end of this round based on other results. So uh, they do pretty much forfeit any chance at a top two finish now, uh, which is unfortunate, but they are still on schedule to make the finals, assuming that they take care of the rest of their business. So while the milk was spilled a little bit, there's no need to cry about it, um, and they are still positioned to make a charge for the finals. Now, the final game at New Era today, or that day rather, was a rather uh, one-sided affair uh, the Tasha Gal taking on the Roosters Indigenous Academy, and they were just played off the field by a very talented Roosters team who I'm kind of shocked were positioned where they were on the ladder. Um, coming into that round, I think they were seven or six, and they they look phenomenal. And they ended up winning 50 nil, and we just we couldn't match it with them here. Yeah, they were very classy outfit. Um, unfortunately, Parramatta, I think that they they knew that the season was over, and uh, that showed in the second half where they had. 36 unanswered points scored. Yeah. And I believe uh, it was. The, so, the Roosters uh, just moved the ball so fluently. So well done to them. Obviously a well-drilled outfit with plenty of talent. So um, assuming they make it to the finals, they're in fifth at the moment, they're going to make some noise, I reckon. 100%. All righty. There's still two more results to get through, so let's get to them in the senior grades now. Uh, Jersey Flag was out at McCready Park. The Eels finally getting their first game uh, in round three after a bye in the round two game getting rained out. And uh, taking on the Cronulla Sharks, they unfortunately lose 26-18. to 18. Uh, It was a good day for Jadens, though, with Jaden Yates and Jaden Skinner scoring as well as Penny Tohi. Kyle Schneider kicked free from free from the boot. Not quite enough. They actually had the lead heading into the second half in this game, if I recall correctly. So uh, not a great result, but not a terrible one either, given that they've, it's essentially been a month since they've last played meaningful football, and they would have been a little bit rusty, I reckon. Yeah, and they've got some um, new recruits that weren't named. Uh, right. Tyron Harding comes comes to us from the Bulldogs, um, which obviously moved Tavita Masama to uh, half back there. Yeah. Um, and Matthew Dredzijic, sorry, I'm, I butchered that name, comes as, to us via South Sydney, I believe. So two new players there, um, no doubt. Uh, I haven't seen their names pop up anywhere through the trial matches. So yeah, they're... Only- they're- feels like they're sort of just scrambling to fill spots at the moment. Like, not as a, a shot at the club. It's just like just the reality of the situation. There's a lot of, oh, we, lot of new faces. When you got, what, six players that eligible for? Yeah, up in New South Wales Cup. And plus there's some guys in SG Ball that could probably be playing, but are just better served by getting the extra run, the extra action into their you know, legs right now and the ball. So, yeah. 
and sharks are always a, a good. We, we speak that all the time, but they are consistently in recent years have been one of the better uh, franchises when it comes to junior representative and Jersey Fleet football. So no, no uh, shame in a narrow loss to them after you haven't played for a good month or so. Um, yeah, or but, good 12 months. Well, yes. Sorry, I, I was referencing the trials, but you're right about actual live football. It's well over 12 months now. So crazy stuff there. But they'll be better for the run, um, and they've got to hit out against the – we'll get to it later, but hit out against the Western uh, – no, the Western, Western Suburbs. It's actually the Tigers in that grade. The stupid – the joint venture always gets me because it's the Magpies in one grade and Tigers in the other as the individual things. All right. Uh the other good result for the weekend for the Eels was in the New South Wales Cup where that young team that we just mentioned managed to defeat the Newtown Jets 22-20. to um, They actually raced out to a 22-blot to blot lead with tries to Hayes Dunster, Will Penasini, Eli Elzegaham and Nathaniel Roach with Jordan Rankin going three from four for the tee. And then they nearly choked away that lead as the uh, relative youth and experience of the team probably showed a little bit allowing the Jets uh, to stay afloat in this game. But they closed out the game 22-20, to Ham. You were out there. What really stood out for you, mate? Um... Early on, I think it showed the class that this team has. Um, Will Penasini put Hayes Dunster away to run 70, 80 metres. Uh, but then just the late, uh, late in the game, I think it showed a bit of inexperience, um, just a young team and probably match fitness. Um, and look at the players that uh, sort of started to run the ball. Braden Trindle played first grade for a fair bit, still a young fellow for, for the Sharks there. Um, and Bronson Garlic, a big second rower, who was um, hitting some short balls off Braden. So um, two sort of first graders. Bronson has played nearly 100 games in reserve grade, so um, they have obviously know each other, whereas uh, we have completely new edges there between Jake and Ellie and um, Jordan Rankin, Nolaka Falau, Will Penasini on those edges. So no doubt with uh, time played, those edges will... Um, Get, have better team chemistry, mm-hmm. fix up those errors, and then hopefully that um, they get more, some more match fitness uh, and that class shines through but that we know that they have because we saw it early on that um, this more experienced and, as uh, 60s pointed out, uh, defending premiers from 2019 since there was no in That's true. There was no 2020. No, yeah. So once again, the Newtown Jets, who are aligned for Cronulla Sharks, always a very good outfit in these grades. So this is a, a win that they should you know definitely be proud of. Um, the other thing probably that probably worth mentioning, they had two TPAs coming into this game. Uh, but once again, scrambling the field bodies, given that the Eels, even though they haven't got that many injuries, well, it's, it's not too bad now in, in the round four injury report, but um, they've got a couple of guys that are just unavailable selection at the moment, um, which means that their top 30 is a lot skinnier than it actually looks on paper. So they're, they're drawing in pretty deep here. And we saw uh, Kai Rodwell join the team as a starting lock, doing all right. And uh, the other one that came in was, uh, was it... Talafo? Dylan Clifford. Dylan Clifford, sorry, yeah. Clifford, I know, has been with the club from last year. He came back from the Tigers, but Kai Rodwell just was a walk-up starter, I'm fairly certain. Just, like, drafted off the street. Uh, so. I wouldn't say off the street. He'd come via Western Suburbs Magpie. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm using a, a, an NFL term or, or <laughs> like, you know, a guy who's- I think he played round one for the Western Suburbs Magpie, so a bit of a- early season swap there, or maybe yeah. not a swap, just a... And he's evidently impressed enough to hold his starting place in the team for round four, so... Oh, just another re- potential reason for that drop. I think we only used two players off the bench, which was a Nathaniel Roach pretty, I think, after 20 minutes. He um, he didn't... I suppose you could say he replaced Joey Lussick at dummy half, as he did most of the dummy half work, but Joey moved into a ball-playing lock position there, and I believe it was uh, Grant Tolafo who... Um, replaced uh, Big Dave Hollis. So only the two interchange uh, 
bench players used. So, um, yeah, just another potential reason for the late game fade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you make an effort, not an excuse. Um, no doubt that Ryan Carr will have uh, some video and some feedback for the young players ready for this week. And the win catapults the Eels from uh, the bye result only to fourth on the ladder, with everyone now having played two games. Uh, the four and against of two is actually not that bad in the big picture of things at the moment, mm. um, given how the two rounds have played out. So good start in New South Wales Cup. Uh, Fled could use a bit of uh, bit of loving, but they weren't uh, exactly embarrassed themselves. All in all, not an unreasonable round of football for the Eels with uh, a win in the NRL. The capstone victory, obviously. Um, that will cap the, uh, speaking of capping, will cap the uh, review component of the podcast this week. And um, we'll quickly blitz through the news where there's not much to be had for the Eels. Um, I think the major thing that Ham and I were talking about before the podcast was uh, the Nathan Brown contract saga still rolls on. Um, the Eels pulled their offer uh, recently due to player management not responding to the deadline imposed by the club. Um, but apparently, according to Michael Chamis, who is one of the lead uh, insider or insider reporters when it comes to this sort of stuff, um, the two parties have come back to recommence negotiations. Um, and, and in the same uh, same week, we also saw Manly come out on record saying they've pulled out. So um, the situation is kind of odd in that regard. I'm not really sure what the market is for Nathan in terms of external um, suitors, but you know, hopefully something can get figured out one way or another for the club and for Brownie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Brownie, um, but I think if he does go, I think we've got a ready-made replacement in either Murata the starter or Isaiah Papali'i. Yeah, and it's a tough situation because I don't think that the club offer is unfair. Um, I know that Brownie's trying to maximize his value based on making State of Origin in 2020, but the $600,000 offer over two years is not unreasonable by the club. So it, it's you always want the players to get the, the most they can because their careers are relatively brief as a, an employment opportunity. But at the same time, the Eels aren't being unreasonable here, at least. Uh, based on what we know, they aren't being unreasonable. Bertie, anything to say on the Brownie saga? Um, I just feel as though um, with what we had um, during the uh, Guffo and Moses um, and Reedy contract saga where we sort of like didn't put timelines on it. I think they just the club has learned going forward. Um, next time we gotta we gotta be strong. We gotta you know you know stand up and put you know make a stand. Like we're gonna we're gonna put deadlines down. And if you don't like it, you know, unfortunately, that's business. You know, because we can only re- recount what happened with Reedy and Garfo's contract. And like you know, it was a bit crazy. And like we just wanted an answer. So I said they just want an answer because the the longer or the earlier we know that he's either gonna be here or not be here is uh, the better chance we have at. You know, recruiting someone or you know, um, adjusting your roster heading forward. So, and the the two bits of news that were dropped today, one regarding Eels, one regarding the NRL, is according to Danny Weiler that Dane Gargai has been shopped to Parramatta from the Rabbitohs, but Brad Arthur apparently is not interested. Um, so that's definitely something to monitor there. If, if the Rabbitohs are shopping players, there might be some midseason bargains to be had, and we do know that the Eels love a midseason bargain. Um, the other one which impacts all 16 clubs is the uh, rapid-fire approval of an 18th man, but under very strict stipulations. Um, so you're going to need to have three players fail HIA uh, checks during the course of a game in order to bring in an emerging player, which I'm not really sure how I feel about. But um, So emerging player, I believe, would be denoted by a development contract or perhaps that you might be able to finagle a second-tier player that is young. Um, did they actually qualify what the emerging player was, Ham? Uh, no, not as yet. So it sounds like the old development player uh, description, but yeah, um, not. I, I don't. I, it's a tricky one. Um, I feel like the 18th man is not a bad inclusion, and I know people are going to say that clubs will rot, clubs will rot. But if every club is rotting, it's like the HIA is right now. If every club is able to manipulate the system, then everyone's got the same benefit. So it's a 
less of a cheating thing than I think people believe. Um, what are your quick takes on this one, boys? If we're worried about coaches rorting, there's no point in bringing in any rule. True. Um, coaches will just try uh, their way to get around any rule, so that doesn't matter. I think there's ways. I think the NRL could look to New South Wales Rugby League where um, the HIA player, if they do come off and are replaced by the 18th uh, interchange, they can't play the next week. So I think that's something that the NRL could look to. Um, I do not like the uh, quote-unquote development player. Um, it's putting them in just, as you said, just in an awful situation where you've got three players down and you're bringing in someone who has will probably have little to no NRL experience there. So uh, do not like that at all. I think that um, there's reason why we have a top 30 and we have players 19 through to 30 is that they've got, you know, you're probably 19 to 22 or 23 will probably have some NRL experience um, and are able to do the job. They are the ones that should be the 18th man, not some um, unfortunate, unproven rookie. Yeah, and you're, you're talking about throwing an unproven rookie or thereabouts into a game situation where your team has lost three players and you're massively down on troops. Like, that is not the ideal circumstances to be putting a young kid into a game. So not really sure about that. But it's it's weird because the NRL has been so gung-ho about rule changes left, right, and center in regards to the speed of the game, and yet they are very they were very reserved about this. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. And then round three sort of forced their hand. So definitely one to monitor because I think that there's already been reported that the Players Association is upset about the implement, implementation of this rule because it wasn't what was negotiated or spoken about, I believe. So one I'm actually a sure. fan of um, increasing bench size to eight. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. You want you want bench size eight, but union style one once on you're off, um you're done or once off. No, you're I done. just think that um, bench size of eight you can carry m- more and diverse players. But once you've used four, you can only use those four. So you you like, but the guys that have been interchanged can they come back on? Yeah, they can still come back. So on. You're, you're talking about there's a, a greater approach to strategy on the interchange, but you've also got you can only still use seventeen players, but you yep. have the ability to adapt to situations more. Absolutely, and That's, I think that you know if you've got a centre or a winger goes down in, uh, injured, you don't have to bring in a second rower that you know is not suited to that position. I think that you can bring on a central winger, or if you know if you're a, a coach and you've only used three interchange players, which a lot of them do, and you're only down by four points, maybe you can bring on an extra halfback to have a little bit more ball playing, or bring on a speedster to sort of work around the ruck there. I think There's actually some merit. In terms of discussions that I did, but we'll have to save it for another day because that is Absolutely. actually that's actually we've got a not, few off-season um, discussions yeah, that we could the, delve into. The Power Podcast is a thinking man and woman's podcast. Don't, I don't, don't, I don't mind mistakes. that, that um, strategy, but like what you could do, say six, have four forwards and have two backs. That way, you need a minimum. Like the backs can only come off for a back if that makes sense. That way, because you look at our Broncos when we reversed them, they had four forwards and they had back injuries. So like that's what I, I reckon they should do: have like a minimum two backs on your on your bench. I'm just, you know, I'm a big fan of um, football, English football. Soccer, yeah. I've, I've, so I've seen that, like, my team, West Ham, when if you want to consolidate a lead, they bring on Mark Noble, who's more of a defensive midfield player mm. um, for an attacking player. I'm sure other teams do it. sure other clubs do it. So if you want to bring on a better defensive player, you go, oh, well, my halfback's done a lot of tackling. Um, when you need by four and they're looking to attack his edge, how about we chuck a better defensive player there or – we need something. So I, I don't think you can limit it to saying that forward for forward, back for back. I think it should still be fluid because coaches can do it. But that's enough of that. And enough of the news. We'll move on to previews now in the go-home segment of the podcast. Um, the Tasha Gow thankfully get a buy after their demolition job at the hands of the Indigenous Roosters Academy uh, last week. 
But for the SG Ball and the Harold Matthews, they've got a doubleheader out at McCready Park on Saturday. Uh, Harold Matthews kicking off at 11 o'clock and the SG Ball at 1 p.m. Uh, the Harold Matthews go from the Sydney Roosters to the Central Coast Roosters this week. So the double up on the chook. And the SG Ball will be hosting the Melbourne Thunderbolts. So let's quickly go for those teams. Um, for the mats, they're looking relatively uh, schmick. Uh, Patrick Spence, Josh Leela Lotto, Charlie Geimer, Declan Murray, and Siliasu Aho in the back line. Uh, Blaze Talungi does go into the heart on 5'8 position this week. Uh, so Terence Lafay has uh, dropped out due to injury, I believe, because I don't recall any sort of suspendable action during that game. Um, Ethan Sanders will be Talungi's partner in the halves. Front row of Sam Tuovati, Yeya Ayachi, and Ofagmino is full strength for sure. Back row of Raphael Destratus, Saxon Pryke, and Miles Martin likewise is a first choice back row. On the bench, you've got Tyrese Lakenny taking Blazer's spot with Blazer in the starting team. Uh, Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim, and Dom Destratus, Raph's twin brother, round out the 17. So this, um, I think the big, talk, oh, big just, talking point for me in this. Sorry, 40. No, you go. Okay. Just um, the, uh, I suppose it's a promotion for Blaze, I think. Obviously, as you said, and maybe they're just looking to rest Terence Lafayette. I'm not too sure. What's happening there? So, um, but Blaze is coming off the bench, been playing more of more of a, a lock uh, position. Yep. He's just come on, just just smashing plays in defence, and I think this is a it's it's a reward for Blaze's hard work that he's put in. So yeah, far and this Bla- like I said, Blaze has been very good off the bench, a lot of strong defence, and um, he's a very shifty runner through the middle. Actually, um, he's he's a bit of a tall, rangy thing um at the moment. So once he fills out, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses. But he's had a good season and a just reward for that. Um, for the Eels, it's an important game, the win, because they are currently occupying second place. They are uh, two points behind Manly, who they lost to in round one. So you've got to keep winning out to ensure a shot at the um, number one seed for the finals. But in any event, you also want to hold on to that number two seed to give you a, a buy in week one. But to be honest, I think buys might be a little bit overrated in junior reps. Um, a lot of teams just feed off the energy of a week-to-week game. So um, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out for the Eels. But other than that, pretty much keeping the same 17 that won last week, won convincingly. So, um, yeah, just looking for another win here against a team coming fifth. They're also in the um, top six of Central Coast Roosters. Just give me one second. Oh, yes, they are coming fifth. So, so this is a this is a big um, hit out with um, implications for a lot of other teams as well. And speaking of implications, um, the Eels looking to stay afloat in the top six in the SG ball. Um, they're looking like this with Joshua Tuopoloto at fullback, uh, Caleb Coroneos and Freeman Forsyth on the flanks. Tyron Sal's finally back, and he'll partner Kamoi Fikatoa in the centres. Um, that pushes Jabril Kalache to 5'8", alongside Josh Chappell, who was 5'8", but is now halfback, although he's always been really halfback in terms of um, game management, if you want to assign that to a specific jersey. Um, in the front row, you've got the hyphen back, Jonte Jr., Beth and Mesa, um, and Vlado Jankovic and Taylor Mawala round out the front row with him. Uh, back row of Jock Brazel, Francis Fayefo, Tuatino, and Peter Taatio. Uh, Tuatino gets a promotion to the starting team, which is nice to see. He had some really big hustle plays in that loss to the Roosters. Um, he had he, he gunned down a, a winger from the other side of the field at one point, which still led to a try a couple of plays later. But um, it was a huge effort play from the big fella. And he actually nearly on that. He, so he nearly he, he sorry he gunned down the winger, helped make the tackle there, and then they when they scored at the other side of the field, he nearly made the cover saving tackle there as well. So that was um big heart from the big fella. Um, yeah, the, absolutely. I was just going to point that out, but. Yeah, former centre, been turned back row, so he's still got that speed with the size. Yeah, and he's been... Um, it's good to see the attitude. He's been the flex option on the bench. When they've needed someone in the back line, he can fill out there, otherwise he plays back row. So, um, yeah, really good heart. You love to see that. Um, on the bench, you've got Keanu Wright-Dunrobin coming back into the team alongside Brock Parker. 
So those guys have been um, MIA for a while due to injury, I believe. Um, and the bench will be rounded out with Big Larry Moaga Tatia and Kyle Mafoa in the 16 and 17. And they're taking on the Melbourne Thunderbolts, who I believe in this grade, they just got done. They're about ninth or tenth. Yeah, SG Bore. Oh, they're 12th. They're 12th. I think they got dust. No, I'm thinking of the Jersey Flake. Um, in the Jersey Flake, the Thunderbolts got dusted up by the Tigers last week. So um, that's where I got confused. So, yeah, big gains to both these grades. Um, a lot of finals implications because they've still got one game in hand, that rescheduled game against the Sharks. Um, so they've got to get that done. But yeah, got to see them um, finish the season strongly and, and play themselves into the postseason. Move yeah, on. I think I'm um, looking at the Thunderbolts draw. They've actually played uh, mostly of the top six to eight teams. So um, they've been a bit unfortunate with their draw. But I think with the return of Tyrone Sauer and the um, move of Jabril Kalachi to from centre to Five in the halves, yeah. um, I think that Josh and Jabril will complement each other fantastically. Um, and yeah, I just I think that after last week's loss, this team should be really pumped up. I think that um, Coach uh, Brennan, Brennan, yeah, uh, will have him pumped up. We'll have him watching a lot of tape. So um, yeah, uh, good luck to the boys. That's it, mate. And now onto the senior grades. There is uh, three games on Monday for the Eels, but only two will be able to be seen, assuming that you've got interest in the New South Wales Cup in the NRL over the Jersey flag. Um, the flag will be out at Campbelltown at 5 p.m. I'm not really sure why they scheduled it for a Monday. Ham and I, once again, speaking at this before the, the podcast, it's kind of weird because it minimizes the boys' recovery for next week as a flag game. So why wouldn't they just play it on the weekend? I'm not really sure. But uh, for the Eels, uh, a number of changes here. There's some new faces, as Ham alluded to earlier alongside uh, someone dropping down from the New South Wales Cup. So you've got Tyron Harding at fullback once again, uh, Marley J. Townsend, and TBA on the wing. Is that the same case for the other team sheet? I'm just looking at the New South Wales Rugby League one here, and it's got TBA. Uh, no, there was a on the Eels. It's, the, it's, a new, it's a new player. I've got it here, yeah. Um, uh, it is Froy and, uh, Froy and East Hope, yeah. Um, so I'll go off the, the um, my team sheet of TCT now because the New South Wales Rugby League one is not up to date. In the centres, <laughs> you've got Penny Toey and Jaden Skinner. Um, halves of Clayton Falolo and Tavita Massima. In the front row, Itasi James, Kyle Schneider, and Jack Colavati are holding it down. And in the back row, you've got Ollie Clements, Shabel Tassapalo, who drops back from the New South Wales Cup, and Jaden Yates. Uh, bench reads is Ethan LeBlanc, a new face in Lennox Whitaker. Um, the other player we've mentioned that came to the club last week, uh, Matt Dragasic, Valence Harris, and Mark Tepu Smith as the 18th man. So, um, yeah, I think the move for Charbel is good because he was sort of caught in a logjam of NRL back rowers and other prospects and now he gets to go back to the flag and play some consistent footy then you know maybe push back up to the New South Wales Cup aside from that um, it's a very light changes to a team that had a eight point loss so what do you make of it Ham? Um, I mean it's always good to have a very similar team going from week to week which you don't really get um, in these grades between promotions demotions mm-hmm. injuries suspensions and what have you so um, good to have some con- uh, continuity in that team Um other than that, it's hard to say without knowing really anything about them. I didn't; these players didn't really see in trial matches, and I didn't see their uh, round three clash. So it's it's a really um, it's interesting. I think that yeah, not really much to say. I'm just uh, looking forward to watching them in round four when hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have three grades on against the Dragons. Yeah. So just to reiterate, they are playing the West Tigers at five pm out at Campbelltown. So that's going to clash with the NRL to some extent, I believe. So you're not. Not good odds of getting out to both games in that regard. Um, but if you do want to see two games of football, um, we do have a treat for you. It's a double header at ANZ this week. So the New South Wales Cup will actually be playing the Curtain Razor at 1.30pm uh, out at ANZ, as I said before. 
if you can't make it because you're um you know you're regional or whatnot or you just got some other commitment that you can't get out to, this game will be uh, broadcast on Foxtel, so you can catch that on uh, the five hundred two, I believe. That's the uh, yep. NRL channel. Um, so for the Eels in this grade, just a handful of changes. Um, Sean Russell, Solomon Naduki, Will Penasini, Tim Lifey, and Hayes Dunster um, mark out an unchanged backline. So looking to see another big day for Will and Hayes, hopefully. In the halves, Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arthur will be steering the team around. Front row of Davey Hollis, Joey Lussick, and Makahesi Makatoa. In the back row, some big reinforcements. Keegan Hipgrave drops back from NRL, and Bryce Cartwright's back. So he um, is ahead of schedule for that duel. We'll be seeing his first action for the Blue and Gold in New South Wales Cup. And Kai Rodwell, the guy that we spoke as a, a walk-on starter from the uh, game last week, holds his place in the starting team at lock. On the bench, you've got Nathaniel Roach, Lalatoa Mata'afa, uh, Eli Elskaham or Eli Elskaham, and Grant Talofo, and Noel Akaflau is the 18th man. Uh, yeah, only a handful of changes here. The positive ones, because you've got guys from the NRL roster returning and bumping uh, players down, um, it's good for the team, Ham and Bertie. 100%. I think that the um, the reinforcements of Keegan Hipgrave and Bryce Cartwright, I assume that uh, Keegs will play over on the left with Jake Arthur, Tim Laffey, and Solomon Naiduki, with Bryce um, out on the right with Jordan Rankin, Penasini, and Hayes Dunson. I actually think that um, those two styles, they're very different styles. Keegan's very smashing smash and grab and dirty and, you know, a bit of a grub. Yeah, very, very physical, place to the very, whistle. That's the one I'm going for, whereas Bryce is a bit more fancy, a bit uh, fleet of foot. I think that um, they can throw some few shapes there with some ball playing between him uh, and Rankin there. I think that a uh, few crash balls, which we've seen, we know Will Penasini can do. So a few crash balls there from Bryce uh, might be on, on, on display come Monday where they'll be facing either, I think they'll be up against Joe Eli Lua. That's so, a, that's a, a funny matchup, isn't it? Um, you wouldn't have spoken about it a few years ago, Leilua. And I was shocked to hear this on 360, but Leilua hadn't played reserve grade until last week when he was dropped since 2013. Like, how has he escaped a demotion? I don't understand. It, that is actually impressive, and I salute J, uh, BJ Leilua because as good as he can be at his best, he's been so streaky and ill-disciplined other times that he should have been dropped, and yet he, here he is for his second reserve grade game since 2013. Unreal. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter who's up against who. It's going to be a good clash of out on the edges um, for both teams. And they've also got uh, former Wenny Magpie, Alan Fitzgibbon, and former Eels Junior, William Key, and also former uh, Eels Junior, Zoc, Daka, Zoc, Zach. Zach Docker got there. And I believe the Magpies entering this game were one from three, but their last win was this last round where they absolutely thumped the Raiders. So, And the Raiders had a very stacked team, as we knew from round, our, our – meant to be round two game. Um, so, yeah, weird. Uh, this would be a good hit out for the boys, obviously. And um, playing in front of some fans is always a good thing. So that will be back-to-back uh, uh, like primetime venue, um, venues for the boys, which you love to see for the Reggies. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. I'm I'm more intrigued with how uh, Nathaniel Roach will go. I know, like... The rig, the Hulk. Yeah, I know, like, you know, like we've got... Like, as much as Sean Russell, like, um, the hype, like, even the back line, like, realistically, they're... they're they won't be playing first grade. Well, you know, Roach could be a sneaky um, bench spot. Like, well, Roach, the year, like. Roach is one of the sort of favourites for that utility role at one point uh, in the mm-hmm. preseason because he was having an outstanding preseason. But now you've got Will Smith killing it. You've got uh, Bryce Cartwright back, and who was apparently you know right in the mix for that similar position. And we've, we've got an absolute glut of riches. So you know, Roach, who had a good start to his season with a try against the Jets, is up against it through no fault of his own. It's a very competitive. Uh, Logjam of uh, blokes queued up for a spot in the Parramatta Eels first grade bench. I think it is telling that um, 
once Nathaniel Roach came on, he spent about 60 or so minutes playing dummy half, whereas they moved, uh, started Joey Lusick to um, a different position That's there. So The old Reed Marnie, a, isn't it? You, you, you're starting hooker on the bench from the 2017 Holton Cup. That's right. I think that um, uh, some players will, should take notice of that, that just because you're on the bench doesn't mean it's a demotion. The, the bench is so freaking important. And I, I hate I hate the narrative that being a starter is the be-all, end-all. God. Yep, it's so dumb because bench is so vital. Um, I think Nathaniel Roach proved that on the weekend. We had beautiful service from dummy half, backed up for a try, which you want from um, your dummy half there, and uh, played 60 minutes at dummy half, which uh, I suppose is a good thing, and I think that uh, puts him in good stead for that. You know, despite Will Smith playing really well, I think Nathaniel could put some pressure on him there, whether it be, you know, playing that utility role. I think you could also just chuck him in the middle of the field and yep. tell him that jump in dummy half when you see the opportunity and – you know, two dummy halves playing in the same team. It's going to be uh, chaos around the ruck. That's it. Let's get on to the main event now, boys. West Tigers hosting the Parramatta Reels at ANZ. Four o'clock kickoff on Easter Monday. Um, you can catch this one on... This is a Channel 9 game or is this an, a Foxtel game? I believe it's a Channel 9 game. Look at this. But um, regardless, the uh, West Tigers look like this. Dane Laurie at fullback, David Nofaluma and Asu Kepoa on the wings with Tommy Talao and James Robert in the centres. Adam Dwahi and Luke Brooks are in the halves. Uh, front row of Zane Musgrove, Jacob Little, and James Tamau. A back row of Luke Garner, Luciano Lelo, and Alex Twal. On the bench, Moses Mbai, Thomas McKayley, Stefano Utoikamanu, and Joe Offengahi. So a couple of exiles there in Twal and Utoikamanu. Um, extended bench of Russell Packer, Joseph Lelua, Michael Cheekham, and Alex Seifarf. Um, pretty, pretty vanilla from the Tigers, right? Nothing unexpected there. Um, obviously, Dane Laurie's captured a lot of uh, plaudits in recent weeks. Um, since making the jump from the Penrith Panthers to the West Tigers. He's looked pretty sharp at fullback. Um, but you don't look at that team and go, oh, my goodness. No, there's no one there that really – I mean, James Roberts on his day. Um, I'm not sure if that day has passed or not, but he seems to be – Tommy Tommy is a bit of a handy attacker. I don't know about him defensively, but he's not too bad at the ball in hand. And, you know, David Nofaluma is a good meter eater. And, you know, that we know in the NRL that any team can get up for any given day, but – when you're doing your strategizing for this team, it's not like it's the Melbourne Storm. You've got to say, okay, I've got to get Cameron Munster. I've got to get Brandon Smith. I've got to watch Kenny Bromwich with you know the, the ball playing down the edge. Um, they're, they're much more uh, middle of the road, which is probably the historical description of the West Tigers in recent years. Uh, you know, you got your players. Obviously, you mentioned Dan Laurie before, but also Luciano Lelui. Just With these players, you just don't know what sort of game they're going to be bringing. So that's yeah. where the Tigers also can be a bit volatile. And, um, and the thing for the West Tigers is that there's always a bit of emotion in this game. Um, you know, Historically, we've been somewhat of a rival because of the Western Sydney uh, locations and that. But with the defections of Moses and Madison in recent years, they always get up for this game at least for the first 20 minutes. And there's always a bit of extracurricular stuff for certain players. Well, if I don't play finals football, you've got to find your grand final somehow. You know, this is a grand <laughs> final every year. Like, Bertie like, lives for these matchups against the Tigers. This is his hey, time to shine. Is he bread and butter? I'm being serious. It's like it's like when we were doing bad and we we're collecting spoons. Like we looked forward to playing the Bulldogs and Manly, just because they were just our neighbours and like they were they were not not Manly, not, not so much our neighbours, but they were used to poach off us a bit. But realistically, who are the, who are their rivals? Like you'd think they'd be rivals with the Cowboys because they played in the grand final. From nah, they got no one else except for us. Let, let, let's be honest, all their fans. Good, good know, guy can, Parramatta, just helping out other teams to find a rivalry. Oh yeah, and you know just. I'm I'm trying to be a bit humble because you know one day is one day they're going to beat us. Hopefully it's not this well, week, but speaking, one day they're going to. Speaking gonna... of beating us, Steels actually do have a yeah. win streak of five games going against the West Tigers, dating back to 2018. And I think beyond that, I think it's uh, 
So it was five games in a row, lost, win, win. So I think they are seven of the last eight against the Tigers um, and also five in a row. So um, plenty plenty up for grabs to the Eels here in terms of um, the latter spot, obviously, but also keeping a, a pretty big bragging rights over another Western Sydney rival. And uh, for those bragging rights, I'll be lining up like this with just a couple of changes this week. Captaining the team from fullback is Quinton Gufferson. Uh, the power duo of Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson on the wings. Tom Opachik and Murata Niakore in the centres. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses will be the 5'8 and halfback respectively. Uh, the all-star front row of Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Reed Money and Junior Paulo holding down the middle for the Eels. With the back row of Sean Lane, Ryan Madison, who's cleared concussion protocols and returns, and Nathan Brown. So that, that long turnaround from the round two Thursday game to a round four Monday game, obviously benefiting Maddo, along with the fact that he didn't manifest uh, a significant set of symptoms this year as opposed to last year when we played the Tigers. So that very positive stuff there. On the bench, Oregon Kafusi, Isaiah Papali'i, who gets bumped back by the return of Ryan Madison, Will Smith, and Ray Stone winning out the final role on the bench, uh, which you might have guessed when you saw Kicking Hipgrave's name listed in reserve grade. Um, the extended roster of Jordan Rankin, Hayes Dunster, Kicking Hipgrave, and Bryce Cartwright, the Cardi Party, arriving on Teamless Tuesday in fashion. Alrighty, so that's the team, boys. Just a couple of changes there with Maddo coming in and obviously bumping Papali'i back, and then Ray Stone winning out over Keegan Hipgrave, um, and obviously Mitchell Moses not failing his concussion protocols from Saturday night. What do we make of this one? Um, West Tigers, it's always a, a good game to win. Um, like we said earlier, there's a lot to play for here as we look to try and keep an undefeated streak uh, for 2021 alive. Um, but we saw last week the Tigers took on the Knights, and it was an ugly game, but they got an upset victory on the road, 24-20, to 20, um, and that just once again reinforces the idea of any given game in the NRL where um, a team as mediocre as they may be on average can get up for a, an upset victory. Um, how do we approach this game? I think that the Tigers will definitely be buoyed by their win last week. Um, and coming up against Parramatta, um, they'll have a parochial crowd there at ANZ Stadium. So I think that they'll be coming out hard, uh, hard and fast um, for that first 20 minutes. I think we've got, if we complete our sets, get to our kick, don't need to try anything fancy. I just had a look at the uh, weather forecast. It's supposed to be raining. Um, 50% chance of rain, so that could change, could increase, could decrease. Um, first 20 minutes, I think that we just have to just do our job, get to our kick, um, big, uh, nice set defensive line, come the kick chase to prevent Kapoa and Nofaluma making their metres. Um, I think once that happens, uh, the Tigers will run out of puff. Hopefully, we've, you know, if we put an early try, uh, early try or two on, um, that might sort of take the sting out of them and their fans. So I'm not – yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one to really pick because despite the Tigers, you know, I, for me they could be – they're that potential spoon team. They're To me they're a bottom four team, but it's just coming off a win, coming off a win away. Um, Parramatta, their big and only rivals, Birdie pointed out. <laughs> um, and, you know, you've got, you've got players there that can just do anything. Nofaluma, Roberts, uh, Jacob Little's quick out of dummy half. Luciano Leilua's, you know, can have the best game in the world, but could also have the worst game in the world. You just, you just don't know. So I think we've just got to really focus on what we do, complete, do what we do best, complete our sets, play it through the ruck, um, and I think the game could open up later on. Uh, a question for you, Birdie. Uh, BA came out in the post-match press, and we spoke about this, and said they wanted two thousand running meters against the Sharks. Looking at that West Tigers pack, do you think he's going to demand the same from the Eels in round four? No, that's too easy, man. That's double one favourites. Like I'm thinking, three thousand, four thousand by half time, maybe. No. I reckon. No, I honestly think. Speaking of that, I reckon listen, Stefano. You know, you talked a lot of shit about us. You didn't want to. You didn't want to play for us last year, but let's just say 
Brad Arthur's got a bounty on you, mate. I reckon Reg and Junior might get in there, mate, and like fuck him I up. I think the one that would make would would, would be the uh, most, to... would be the most poetic to to lock horns with uh, Stefano would be Oregon because they're sort of the same, not mm-hmm. not quite the same, but similar uh, classes of junior. So. That'll be a good one to watch. Stefano scoring a nice try against the Newcastle Knights, by the way. Um, I was happy to see that. The, he's had a, a very troubled run of injuries. Um, and while he's very talented, he's never been able to stay on the field for or on, on the park for a long time. So good to see him getting some minutes at the Tigers. Probably not so good for the Tigers. He's probably one of their better forwards already. So only took 12 months since Reg did it. So looking forward to next year for him putting another forward in for a try. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Like on serious notes, like you're talking about Brad Arthur, I reckon the keys to the game is you got to limit their um, their back three, like in terms of their starting their sets. Like we know Nofaluma, you said he's a meter eater. He also likes to pop it offload. So if we can just limit him and sort of like contain him, like the only other threat they have is realistically um, Luciana out of them half near the line. But other than that, you know we should be you know should be Gucci against them. But we were um I believe it was you and I Ham we were discussing the game. Uh, against the Knights live on the weekend and you mentioned that you were hoping that some of the, the work that Mitch Pierce was doing was being studied by the Eels in regards to attacking the back three? Oh, just his left and right foot just in behind the ruck. They were really sloppy there um, defensively. I thought that um, and especially it opened up uh, when Connor Watson did the same thing with Mitchell Pierce backing up that he didn't even have to, it was just sort of it was a Ray Stone head fake. <laughs> he sort of looked out, so I didn't really dummy, but just big left foot. He knew the stunner coming was coming, back. mate. He knew the stunner was coming. Just, yeah, just in behind the ruck. It was really good. I hope that, you know, Brad, especially with our halves, you know, Mitchell Moses and both Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, both agile, quick, and especially Dylan's very strong. Um, get him in closer to the ruck, push some forwards out of the way, say, this ball's mine. I've seen what Mitchell Pierce has done. I'm a better player than Mitchell Pierce. I can do better than what he did. And I think that, yeah, if we really open behind the, you know, halves in behind the ruck there, Raiders were, uh, Raiders, Tigers were very sloppy. Good point. And I think that's probably a nice place to tie up the general discussion of this game. Time to get to, uh, I was going to say something entirely different. I'm, I'm completely on another player on painkillers at the moment. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> time time to get to pre- the actual predictions of first try scorer and the margin itself. Um Anyone want to volunteer? Since whenever I, I call someone up, you always tell me I'm getting the wrong person. So who wants to volunteer first? Well, that's. I just want to say that last week, I, I think I put the mockers on Junior Paulo. He'd been two from two. I say he's going to score no first. One, no one is allowed to tip Junior anymore, so he can continue his, uh, to score, please. Yeah. Uh, who's up first, boys? Go, Birdie. Go for it. Uh, so I'm going to go Parramatta 42, sorry, 42 points to four. Only? Um <laughs> Oh, we're gonna be you well, know, eight thousand runs in a suit. You know, everyone scores every now and then. And, you know, you just gotta give them. It can't be because if I say last time we predicted to nil, we got you no. Know, we usually jinx the team, man. Uh, I just feel as though, um, look, they might score early. They might get ha- happy. You know, the Tigers fans will start buying grand final tickets, get on Twitter, and then let's be real, we'll just run away with it. So, you know, I think, um, yeah, they'll just they'll just score some lucky try and. You know, like like the Sharks last week off a scrum or something, and realistically, our class should um take care of them in the end. Like, um, uh, look, emotion can only get you so far in terms of the game. Like, and like they just, you know, it's their grand final essentially. You know, and yeah. Did you, did you announce the first try scorer, buddy, or just the margin? Oh, first try scorers. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Mitchell Moses if he plays. If not, I'm gonna go Guffo. And um, yeah, man of the match. Guffo, you know, he's he's a lock for every game, every man of the match, so yeah. It's not a bad pick. I don't usually do man of the match predictions, but thank you, Bertie. 
Oh, I usually just add that no, in. That, <laughs> you, that's the bonus, man. That, that's why. That's why we love you, Bertie, because you give the, you give the listeners value. <laughs> Han, what do you got, brother? Um, I think it'll be a bit closer. I'm going to say Parramatta twenty-two to the Tigers six. Um, first try scorer, Dylan Brown. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we didn't get predictions from Hamish this week. He sort of just dipped and said, "Sorry, boys, I can't make it." Um, so, do we have an outlandish prediction for him, boys? Um, what what's something? I think I think like realistically, in a moderate score, might be like fifty nil or something from him. So Hamish is going for fifty nil, and he'll go first try scorer, someone from the bench, probably. Um, yeah. Maybe uh, what do we got? Maybe uh, Will Smith coming in on like the sixtieth minute, and then we still manage to win fifty nil. So, yeah. and then Luke Brooks with the uh, try he scored fifty points <laughs> in um, twenty minutes. For me, well, if you're not going to be here, that's what you get. So, yeah. um, and for me, that's true. He'll look like a bloody genius. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. For me, um, it's funny because a lot of our recent games have haven't been that big of a difference, barring the Bank West uh, christening where we managed to drop fifty on him. But we've always won consistently by double digit points still. So I'll probably go for that margin of about, let's say, what did you go, Ham? 22-4? Yeah. That's actually right in my wheelhouse. So 22-4 is not a bad guess. So um, I'll bump it up just a little bit. No, that, that's completely against what I said. So I'll just go 22-6 then. They'll get a converted try. Uh, no, sorry, if, I said 22-6. Oh, did you? Then I'll go 22-4 yeah. then. Fine. Oh. We'll swing, we'll swing oh, it around then. Two 40-yard two field goals from the farm. I like it. <laughs> and uh, since Birdie went for one X tiger for the first try score, I'll go for the other with Ryan Madison getting over and, and giving a bit of verbal, I reckon. I thought you were going to say Ray Stone. Well, Stoney's on the bench, so, I mean, he could pull a Will Smith and score in the 60th minute for first try scorer, but who knows. Um, and on that bombshell, I think, boys, we're just about done. Um, always a pleasure to have you guys over to talk footy. And I'm looking forward to the round four review where hopefully we're still four from or undefeated in four from four. Sounds good. That's it, fellas. Stay healthy, everyone. Don't get ear infections. Don't get stuck or tied up in work like Hamish. Uh, Live your best life. Don't get COVID. Don't get COVID, please. Please don't, yeah. Get the COVID jab. Yes. Don't get the COVID. Yes, get the jab. Mm -hmm. And don't support Uh, West Tigers. And don't support the West Tigers. See, (laughs) Oh, that's the worst of the lot. The most common sense and well-rounded takes you would get, not just in rugby league, but in life. On the PowerPoint you can cast. you can recover from COVID. You can't recover from being that's that. True. that, that don't do what Donny don't does. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, folks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for stopping by. See you later. Go the Eels. Thank you.